Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. I am extremely excited today to have with us Charlotte Bonet, a marketing leader that specializes in demand generation and content marketing, two of my very favorite things uh, for WebPT. Welcome, Charlotte. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. First, to give our listeners a little bit of context, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and uh, your role at W uh, at WebPT? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so I am Charlotte Bonet. I am the Senior Director of Demand Gen at WebPT, which is a B2B SaaS healthcare company. Uh, so we are specifically practice management software for outpatient physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech language pathology. So a very niche product, but we've experienced a lot of success over the years. Uh, I started in B2B marketing right out of college in uh, 2012. I was um, hanging out in Toledo, Ohio, and I wasn't really thrilled with the job market there. It's very blue collar. Uh, I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, and I saw a little startup called WebPT. They were advertising that they were hiring a copywriter. So I got the job, packed up my car, moved across the country and started at WebPT the day after I arrived. Uh, so I was employee 50, started as a copywriter. Uh, copywriter quickly turned into content marketing manager, which then evolved into uh, the director of demand gen. And then when I took over the brand and design function, I got that little senior title. Um, so yeah, I've had a nine-year career at WebPT, and it has been a wild ride. When I joined the company, it was ten million, and now it's over a hundred million in revenue. So definitely, Fantastic. definitely an awesome experience. Yeah, ten-time growth. Everybody loves that. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about demand gen. Um, I'm not sure everybody knows exactly what that means, right? I think a lot of us do in, in product marketing and in marketing roles, but but. When you think of demand gen, how would you define that? Yeah, so it's interesting because everybody, you know, demand gen has this term and it, and it seems like a buzzword and you sort of, it's all the rage. Everybody's always hiring for someone in demand gen, but demand gen at its base definition is simply generating demand for a product or service and then converting that demand into leads. So really that's any type of marketing that gets your target audience to say, uh, yes, I, I need that. I would like to see it. Um, so I, I think it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that in reality. Right. So how do I create awareness that leads to creating demand that brings leads in for my sales team? Correct. That's perfect. That's a great perfect. definition. All right. <laughs> so easy, obviously. Roll super easy. We can define it like that. Must be a simple thing. Must just happen by, uh, by, by, by wishing for it. I wish that was the case. That's right? why everybody's hunting for that excellent demand gen talent because it is not as simple as the definition implies. Absolutely, 100%. So let's talk about some of the big pieces that go in. What makes successful demand gen in your mind? Uh, oh man, that's a loaded question. What makes successful demand gen? Well, I'm a lust for leads. So to me, Demand gen is successful when it generates leads and not just any leads, but qualified leads. 
Uh, at WebPT, we own the marketing funnel all the way up to when a prospect fills out a demo form. So we don't kick a lead over to sales until that person says, yep, I want to see your product. So we're nurturing the entire journey prior to that. Um, so for me, demand gen is best when that's occurring, when marketing is able to control a large portion of the funnel and they're turning over qualified leads to sales. And nothing makes you more popular with sales than turning over how they qualify. You know, leads. I have always, I have always had solid relationships with the sales team. Um, even when I showed up and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to rewrite all of your emails and I'm going to scrutinize everything." Your life in marketing is infinitely easier if you can build strong relationships in sales. Um, even when I was trying to go in and rewrite all their outreach sequences and coach them on talking points, things like that, I always took the approach that. Like, I'm trying to help you close. I'm trying to, to increase our conversion rates. Um, so yes, I'm 100% focusing on driving as many qualified, lead, qualified leads as possible, but I'm also going to work my butt off to, to help you close your opportunities. Um, and, and I think that sometimes there's an unhealthy tension between marketing and sales, but what people need to realize is tension's fine. It's the health that needs to be there. So it is absolutely fine to challenge sales and for sales to challenge marketing, but you have to establish that relationship to start so that when you're challenging each other, it is productive challenging, which means the tension that you may carry with sales is healthy. So for me, I have always looked to uh, form very strong relationships in sales so that, you know, when we uh, challenge each other, we're ultimately both in pursuit of what's important, which is driving revenue for the organization. And I, I think that's exactly key, right? There is no more important relationships for any marketer than sales. And it shouldn't be Athens and Sparta. It should be a combination. And, and what makes it there is the alignment you talked about. So both alignment around goals and we see it. But, but I think one of the things that ties into the demand gen funnel, you guys have really clear alignment on what a lead means and when the handoff is with sales, right? Correct. You're, you're Correct. very clear. It existed. is when they fill that form out. Correct. And that existed when I showed up at WebPT. They they knew that the sales team needed to focus on closing. Yep. So they needed the marketing team to focus on getting them leads that were closable. Uh, and, and I don't think that's always the approach in every SaaS organization, but I think SaaS companies make a mistake sometimes in the beginning when, when they just, they're just so excited and it's all hands and everybody's doing a lot of different roles. And nobody pauses for a moment to say, hey, what is our funnel? Like, what are we pursuing here? Um, because if you nail that down early, then you can have a lot healthier development of your marketing and sales. And ultimately, I think everybody's just a bit more productive and efficient to start. So I think SaaS companies really need to nail down, basically, when you're designing your website, and you're putting those forms on your website, you need to be defining then what's the handoff? What exactly are we asking people to do? Are we just trying to get their information um, so that we can cold call them? Or are we actually trying to get them to understand that what they're requesting is in fact a demo? And that's when the sales team is going to step in. So I think understanding that dynamic early and getting all parties to agree, yep, this is, this is how marketing and sales are going to work together. This is how we're going to define a lead. This is how we're going to define an opportunity. Um, 
I think that sets you up for a lot of success down the line and hopefully reduces your instances of buying lists. Yes. Yes. The, the buying list is when you're, you know, it can be a, a stopgap effort, but it mostly just means that, that something else you're doing isn't working, right? Some step of the funnel is, is definitely having a problem. Um, okay. All right. So you've been in demand gen for a long time. You've been in demand gen at WebPT for nine years. Let's talk about some of the trends you've seen. So you talk about the role and what it's what it's meant to do, how it works with sales. What are some of the trends you've seen, either ones that you think are working or ones that you think, oh, that's that's a fly night, fly by night idea? Sure. Uh, so when I started at WebPT, we had the benefit of being supported by the executive team straight away on going all in on content marketing, um, which I think nowadays is like not in a, a debate at all. Most companies, especially in SaaS, are like, yep, we need content marketing. Uh, of course, how you do good content marketing, that's a, that's a caveat there. But uh, when I started at WebPT, none of our competitors were doing content marketing. So in 2012, to have you know your executives say, sure, webinars, white papers, a bunch of blog posts, go for it. Oh, it can be thought leadership. Oh, it doesn't have to directly do with the product. Like, great. We support you. So I think Content marketing is probably one of the most enduring trends of demand gen. Mm. Pretty much yep. everyone now understands like that's the basis of all inbound marketing. Uh, but I mean, obviously there was the huge explosion around ABM, um, which is another form of demand gen. I think one trend now that has, there's a lot of trends, I would say coming out of the pandemic, you know, you got your, this whole debate around virtual events and do they really work? I would argue that webinars were a virtual event before we decided to call events virtual. Um, and webinars have historically worked fairly well in a lot of industries. Um, but now you have this approach to hybrid events. I think events are going to come back like crazy the second half of this year and especially in 2022. And I think we're going to see um, in-person events leveraging all types of technology to add sort of hybrid elements, whether those hybrid elements will be successful. Um, I personally feel that events it's the being in person that makes events most successful uh i would say coming out of the pandemic i think people have become aware that demand gen is not just oh you know ppc marketing automation blogs i think people are realizing that the most successful demand gen orgs are ones that strategically incorporate account-based marketing inbound marketing outbound marketing uh, events. So uh, to me, that's the trend is this sort of maturation of people's understanding of modern marketing and their approaches to modern marketing. Nice. And then if we want to talk about like some random things, I, I think that transitioning from lead volume tracking to pipeline tracking is definitely an ongoing trend. And I think it's going to become more prevalent as people employ more intelligent technology stacks. The thing about pipeline tracking is you have to be able to attribute value to a lead. And a lot of SaaS businesses, like when you're just pursuing volume, it's not necessarily an imperative to have a lot of data around your leads. Sure, once they get into Salesforce or your CRM, you know, you're building out a lot more details on the opportunity, but a, a lot of time leads data can be a bit muddy. Uh, which makes tracking pipeline more challenging. But I think as people employ more intelligent technology stacks and understand the role that uh, strong data 
based plays in how you, you map your funnel and how you market and segment, uh, I, I think more companies will evolve to pipeline tracking. Okay, well, let's hit, so hit some of the big ones that you talked about, uh, and okay. there's lots, right? Yeah. Uh, but but let's, let's, I mean, the major one, content, like you said, it was a big deal in the beginning and weren't just focused on ads. It is more common now, uh, but that's brought some challenges, right? It's a much more crowded content space than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and sometimes you get content competition in unexpected places, right? Uh, mm-hmm. for, for training companies that could be software clients or customer or software companies that support the same area, right? So sure. talk a little bit about how, how content has evolved uh, and, how, and how you think in today's more crowded space, you really make your content pop. Sure. So content marketing in general, everybody thinks they're doing it, but it very rarely are people doing it exceptionally well. And I think that creates a problem in that, yes, it's a very crowded space, but the whole point of content marketing is to provide meaningful information to your customers. It shouldn't actually be product pitches. It should be information that solves an immediate and pressing problem for your customer. And and I think that's where a lot of people struggle with content marketing, especially a lot of young SaaS companies. You look at their blogs and, you know, it's mostly news about the company or product feature releases. And no one's, no one's doing long tail keyword searches around, you know, your, your feature enhancements. Uh, so I think that where, when companies get content marketing, right, they take the, the pressure off their content marketers to, to talk about the product in their blog. What you should be talking about is what your customers care about. And, and that's very rarely the software to start. Uh, you can certainly draw conclusions or allusions to your software somewhere in your blog post. And, you know, there are ways to get calls to action inside your H3s and things like that. But the content, the piece should be a a problem solving piece. And and that's what people are searching for. And that's what's going to get traffic onto your site. Then once people are on your site, you need to make sure that your site is designed in a way that, you know, you can get people to click around, uh, navigate through your, your pages, and then Hopefully, as they build trust with your brand, they'll then convert on a demo. And there are ways to help agitate the funnel. You know, you can throw convertibles on there, um, content plays where, you know, you're getting people to download stuff, participate in a webinar. Even commenting um, is a way to help get people sort of nurtured without necessarily securing an email address. And there goes my dog again. Uh, one policy we have at WebPT is we always reply to every comment on our blog and every email that comes into our any of our marketing email handles, whether they're customers or not, uh, and whether the question is really challenging. Because we know that one, on a blog post, if you have a really robust commenting section, that is incredibly beneficial for search, but it also adds clout to the post itself and legitimacy to the company. And then, you know, with responding to emails, it helps establish trust. It's very one-on-one. And that is really, has been really hard for us to scale as a content team. But it is all in the name of thought leadership and establishing trust and demonstrating that WebPT as a brand is committed to solving problems first, 
if you want to buy our product later, that's great too. Okay. So you talked about your team, right? Having a, a, a very shared goal there, right? To, to build trust, uh, to solve problems. And then, you know, if they want to buy a, a product, great. How do you, as the director and the leader of that, give that team sort of the, that, that shared vision and keep them all coordinated so that the content all feels connected to WebPT and connected to the goals you have for the stages of the funnel? It's a big question. Yeah. So one, I, I prioritize and, and I have always prioritized hiring excellent writers and communicators over hiring marketers, especially when it comes to content. Um, we've seen a lot of success at WebPT with hiring people with journalism backgrounds uh, because they, they're storytellers. You want to bring storytellers in, people who understand that there is value in, in delivering interesting stories and there is value in, in helping an audience through communication. So we have always prioritized bringing in excellent writers and strong editors. Uh, so that helps straight away because they're already interested in developing great content. That's their background. It, it's part of who they are. And it's part of what motivates them is producing excellent content. Uh, but beyond that, you know, then it is about aligning the entire team around the objectives. So we use every tool possible to ensure everybody's always on the same page with what we're working on, what our goals are, uh, and how every little piece of what we do is in service of those goals. So the team is very motivated by our lead number, um, which we track monthly. And so while we're not looking at individual blog posts and saying, oh, this one is converting and driving this many leads, we do look at traffic. So we know that our website accounts for 60% of all of our leads. And so the blog is a huge driver of traffic for us. So you have your content team striving to produce articles that are going to drive the most traffic possible. Our, our SEO is focused on ensuring every page is optimized to drive traffic. And then our digital marketers are looking for ways to ensure traffic is engaging with our forms across our website. And then our email team is ensuring that everybody who fills out a form is receiving the right nurture sequences so that they convert on leads. And then our paid team is building a hyper-segmented retargeting list to run the right ads to people who visit our site. And all of this is in a goal of converting these people into leads. And, and I think when you create a team sport kind of environment, and you make one goal be the goal, um, it, it enables people from all different, uh, you know, specialties to rally around it and, and focus. Pizza parties also help. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing like food to, uh, <laughs> to motivate the team. Um, I mean, I'm joking a little bit. You should also, uh, provide mentorship, career pathing, competitive wages, benefits, all of that too. I mean, WebPT's marketing team has an incredible retention rate, and that is partly because of, of our ability to sort of nurture talent and give people paths. When I started at WebPT, there was no director of demand gen. There was no content marketing manager. I pinpointed those opportunities, and I had a supportive environment where I was able to pursue those opportunities and, and get them. 
So I think that obviously is very motivating to a team too, to see people uh, sort of level up within the department, see internal promotions occurring and, and be able to have transparent conversations with their manager about what they need to do to secure, you know, the path that they want for their career. So I think one of the questions, and particularly when people start uh, as SaaS companies and you were at WebPT when they were pretty small, is how, how big, how, do you, how much resources do you need for your content strategy? Uh, so talk a little bit about how the team has grown uh, and, how, and how you resource the efforts. Sure. So when I started at WebPT and we were 10 million, uh, we had a uh, sort of a demand gen person, a product marketing person an events person, a designer, and two copywriters. We didn't have a boss. We just had this crew of, of 20-somethings who, um, you know, really wanted to rally and, and do something interesting with marketing. Since then, we've obviously grown, specialized. There's lots of hierarchy. But our content marketing team is still a content marketing manager and two writers, and that's it, even at $100 million. Um, and, and we have scaled by focusing on the right content to be doing at any given time. So, you know, sometimes you don't have to publish four blog posts a week. Sometimes you can get by with publishing one a week uh, and, and focus on other optimization strategies. But to start, when you are first getting started, I think that before you go and hire any marketers, you should figure out what kind of marketers you need. Um, and sometimes that means you want to go and secure like a, a marketing leader to sort of, uh, set that vision and, and determine how you need to build a team. But sometimes you don't have that kind of coin to, to get someone really experienced to just come in and say, here's exactly what you need and then give them the budget to actually execute upon that vision. The problem with hiring a marketing leader is that they very rarely want to step in the trench and do everything themselves for, uh, an indetermined amount of time before they can hire the right people into the right role. So some of that depends on budget up front. If you're really well-funded, then sure, go get that awesome marketing leader to set the whole vision and build the team. But if you only have budget for a, one or a couple headcount, you first want to really examine who you are pursuing. What's your product? What's your packaging and pricing? And who is it for? Uh, once you pinpoint your audience, if you're looking at enterprise marketing, do you know those accounts? Like if you have a high ticket product that was definitely built for enterprise audiences, do you have a list of those accounts? Because if you do, then you shouldn't go and pursue somebody who's hyper proficient in marketing automation. You should go and pursue somebody who has a strong account-based marketing background. Now, if you have a very SMB product and it's charged per user or license and you know it's a fairly you know niche audience then yes you should probably go find a content marketer or a demand like a, a marketing automation marketing ops type person straight away uh, because usually one if you're doing smb you're going to probably take an inbound marketing approach first you don't know you don't know all of your your prospective clients so you need to cast the widest net possible. So you're going to go with an inbound marketing strategy. So you need content and you need marketing automation. Um, so I would say sort of decide first what type of marketer you need and then go secure that hire. 
And when you're interviewing them, ask a lot of really detailed questions to make sure they're not full of it and that they have the chops to step in and, and really grab this endeavor by the horns. Um, because being a single marketer on a team is completely overwhelming. And if you're not sure when you're going to be able to get them help, um, then you also need to make sure you're equipping, like you're uh, communicating to your sales team that they're going to have to help. If you're one marketer, you, you have to be able to lean on your sales team, either with some outreach efforts or um, maybe they're, take, they're handing off on the lead sooner and doing um, some nurturing after they convert on say like a white paper or a webinar. Um, you really got to nail down that dynamic because being the lone marketer is challenging. Hopefully you have some freelance or contractor dollars to, to pinch hit. Yeah. And then I think as, as uh, companies grow their marketing team, right, you go from the one and you go from sort of a jack of all trades mm -hmm. and the, bigger you get, right? You start to look at more specialists and that's another yes. large transition time for an organization uh, that can be somewhat difficult to navigate. Yes, yeah. Uh, it happened really organically at, at WebPT, this, this pivot to specialists. Like I said, when I started the product, the person who was kind of doing product marketing and the person who was kind of doing, you know, campaign planning uh, and some digital marketing, they just, they just were doing that in addition to other things, because that's sort of where their interests lied. Um, that it wasn't that that was their titles. Um, but, you know, as once they brought on me as a copywriter, it started to become clear that we were moving into more specialties because then it was like, okay, we need a, we need a PPC person. We need an SEO person. Uh, we need an email marketer. So I think it's just that you have these jack of all trades and they start to say, I'm max, I'm at capacity, but I'm kind of interested in this particular part of marketing. So if we could get someone to help with all this other stuff I'm working on, that'd be great. So I think that's where you start to, to divide into specialties. You have your, your one or two marketers who are doing everything and they say, well, I like this the most. I need you to hire somebody who can help with this, this other thing. All right. We talked a lot about a lot of different things, right? Uh, <laughs> right. A lot of good things. Are, there's so much to talk about with demand gen, because as you said, it, it really covers the entire sort of marketing funnel. So it's no small part of it. Um, but if you were kind of take, step, take a step back about some of the things we talked about, and if you could recommend that people do two things differently tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Two things differently tomorrow. Um, I would look at everywhere you're doing marketing and genuinely assess if you're doing it because you feel like you have to have a presence there or if you're doing it because you know it's actually converting. Uh, for example, you could be spending a lot of money on LinkedIn advertising, because you feel like you need to have a presence on every social channel and you're paying however much for a conversion and you're not, and you're not actually getting that many conversions. Could you take that money and allocate it somewhere else where you are seeing a, a, a better conversion rate? We, we saw that with LinkedIn ourselves. Uh, we ultimately made the decision that 
we're going to prioritize advertising content on LinkedIn and not doing pure demo ads on LinkedIn because that's not what people on LinkedIn want at all. Uh, we stopped advertising on Twitter altogether because we just weren't seeing the conversions there and we would have, we, we wanted to allocate that spend to software advice and kept So I think, I think taking a good hard look at why you're on certain channels and scrutinizing whether the conversions are there. Um, and you know, you can also always ask yourself like, how can I change what I'm doing on that channel to improve conversions? So take stock on, on everywhere you're at and determine if it's worth it. Uh, and then I would be remiss to not mention that it is a wild market right now for, for hiring. Uh, so tomorrow you should look at your marketing team and you should do a risk assessment and determine who is the most likely to depart because if you're not already currently seeing turnover in your department, you're very lucky because one in four people are going to change jobs this year. Um, and, and recruiters are like the top job right now. So do a risk assessment on your team and determine who would be an absolute heartbreak to lose and, and start having some really um, crucial conversations with your team about career pathing about what they want at that organization and what they want in a future state uh, and, and start going and getting some genuine feedback from your team about what you can do to be a better manager, leader, uh, founder, because ultimately, yes, the market's very hot and there's a lot of uh, great offers out there, but people stay at companies because of people. And, and so if you're really prioritizing open and honest communication, you're setting action plans and you're working hard to, to, to move your employees along paths that they want, um, then I think you'll improve your retention rates. Obviously, uh, while you're doing this risk assessment, you can sort of um, also assess if you have the right people in the right seats for where your company's at right now. Um, I think reorging departments is very challenging. I think having critical uh, conversations around whether people have scaled with their jobs or whether they've stayed, uh, if, if they've sort of grown in capacity and talent with what the expectations of the role are, I think those are all important things to sort of study on your team as well. So um, how do you retain your superstars? And then, and how do you sort of, critically think about the organization of your structure and and if you have the absolute right team that you need for whatever your next stage of growth is. Good advice. Excellent advice. All right. Thank you, Charlotte, so much for joining us today. It has been a genuine pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. That does it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.